5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the partner, their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Matt. Well, good morning. It's good to be able to see you this morning. Welcome to Granville Chapel, particularly if you're here visiting for the first time. Uh, my name is Paul, um, and uh, it's always exciting to hear and share some of the stories of what God is doing in our community and around our community and through our community. And um, we have, you know, as a church, we gather, we, we, we want to see God's kingdom extended. Uh, we want to see more of his works. And we know that we can't, it's not what we can do, but it's what God can do in us and through us. And, and actually within each of us... Um, you know, God has placed the DNA to begin a movement to do something quite remarkable as we surrender our lives to him and as we open ourselves up to the work of his spirit. And so there have been, there are glimpses of that that we get to see around the city. Uh, and in this series, we're looking at Jesus, our neighbor, and we're going through uh, different stories in the gospel of uh, Luke. Um, but also we're getting a chance to hear from one another about some of the stories of what God is doing in our neighborhood. I'd like to invite uh, Christina up. Um, Christina's been a member here at Granville Chapel for a number of years. Uh, some of you would have uh, sampled her uh, delicious culinary um, uh, provision through uh, many a fine banquet in Alpha. But I've asked Christina to come and share this morning, uh, not so much about that, but how uh, she has seen God at work in her community, in her neighborhood, and, uh, and how God has been uh, using her uh, and so, Christina, thank you, because I know this is, a, uh, this is a big ask to get you up here to speak. So thank you for being willing, and uh, go for it. It's all on. My youngest neighbor in my building printed this off for me. <laughs> so among my neighboring exploits are some that uh, leave longer memories than others, although they have all been fun and all been meaningful. Some years ago, a young family moved from Ontario to Vancouver to start a new life here, and I was blessed to have them as neighbors for a few months before they moved into their current home. It was summer. We celebrated birthdays in my home, and Marie and I hosted dinners in the garden with parents from both sides who visited from abroad at separate times. A couple of years ago, the parents from England visited yet again, and because of our previous connection, I invited them all to my home for dinner. It was a beautiful summer's evening, so we ate out in the garden. I also took the opportunity to invite a couple from my building who more or less fit into the same age group. It was a wonderful time, good food, laughter, and great conversation. As it got cooler, we came in for dessert, to which I had invited a couple from California who were visiting their son also, who lived in my building. I was struck by how God had orchestrated all the details to make a perfect evening. I like bringing people together from my neighborhood and church community, and I have done that several times with some of the young adults here. Last weekend, a young Iranian couple who once lived in my building moved to Victoria. Since I've pretty much adopted them, Marie and I went with them to Victoria to help them settle and organize their new home. That young couple had met and connected with several of the young folk at Granville Chapel here, 
So when he heard of the move, Ben Weeb promptly offered to help and bring others. Help was not needed in Vancouver, but in Victoria. So Alyssa Weeb contacted her best friend in Victoria, whose in-laws were available and more than willing to help. They came over after church, we shared lunch, and then they set to unpacking and organizing. When we left, they were still there working together. I heard just yesterday that they have been in touch several times with my young friends and are planning to connect them with people closer to their age. So exciting to see God powerfully at work and using little old me. Certainly not least, there are also the smaller things and reciprocation. Feeding the cat on double shifts or cat sitting, a lunch for someone, laundry coins, cookies from next door, the busy lady from across the hall who did my vacuuming when I had cancer and who I can still count on when I can't manage. Christina, thank you. Thank you. Wonderful stories. Thank you. <laughs> Particularly the line, how God can use little old me uh, and how he does. What I loved about that is hearing the stories of connection and people talking and sharing and connecting and, and joining, joining together as, you know, as God's people are sent out and, uh, and bless uh, where God has sent them and, and as, as we surrender ourselves to him. Thank you, Christina. So this morning, uh, Matt read for us uh, what is a really familiar story. I'm sure most of us have pro could probably recite it, uh, or many of us could, um, it's a beautiful story. Um, it's a story that I, as I read again this week, I saw um, just the beauty and the kindness of Jesus all over again. But you know, as you, as you read through and, and in preparation, as you read and you pray and you listen and then you kind of get a, a feel for what you feel the Lord, what the Lord is saying and then, and then you go through and, and check uh, some commentaries and, and do a little bit of the diligent stuff um, you know, the thing that struck me was, was actually, was, it was almost a sadness, there's, because there's a point at which as you read through the commentaries and different people have said this and they've said that and they've refuted this and they've re refuted that, and you think, oh, what a shame, you've, you've read this story, you know this story, but you've missed the whole point. You've missed what is the most beautiful picture um, that God is presenting to us in this. So whether or not it was the kind of boat that Simon Peter could actually have knelt in, uh, although they found boats that, like that, that well, yeah, we realized that he could have actually knelt down and prayed in it, or, or what, what he said and who was there and how it was mentioned. And, you know, there's, a, there's a danger in which we miss actually what is the essence and the most beautiful thing that is contained uh, within this story. And, and I think we could also be guilty of it because we're so familiar with it. We can read it and we gloss over it and we think, well, isn't this, isn't this, uh, isn't this a sweet story and, uh, about uh, Jesus calling the fishermen and speaking to the crowd and going out onto the boat and then this huge catch of fish. Um, but, you know, the most beautiful thing that this story that Luke is keen that we get is that it centers uh, on a man who up until this point has been in the periphery. We don't even hear about the names of the other disciples who were called at this point. Luke is really intent on knowing that this is a story about Simon Peter. And that here's a man who is being brought from the periphery to the center Stage. He is the focus of Jesus' attention. And it's in this story that Jesus says to Simon Peter, I want you to come and I want you to live your life with me and I want you to live for me. Now, Simon Peter would have met Jesus. He'd have known Jesus. He'd have seen him. He, was, he killed his mother-in-law. Um, we read in, in uh, Luke 4, he was in his home. And, and so Jesus would have, uh, Simon Peter would have seen that there's the crowd coming in and people healing uh, people being healed by Jesus' power and his ministry. And, he, and here is this man who is doing remarkable things. And a crowd who, who hungers to hear his teaching. And Jesus clearly has work to do in this passage. As we come to this text, he's, the crowd are, are leaning in. That, that, that he has work to do. But of all of the faces in the crowd, what we're drawn to is Simon Peter who's washing his nets. He becomes the object of Jesus' attention. Yes, he has work to do. He has a message to deliver. But Simon Peter is the focus of Jesus' attention. And he finds himself this morning in the gaze of the Lord Jesus. 
So the people are crowding in, leaning in to hear everything that Jesus has to say. And the fishermen are washing their nets. Simon Peter is washing his nets. And I, and I, and I just wonder, as I read this story again, what was going on in his mind for Simon Peter? As he's washing his nets, not leaning in like the crowd, but maybe listening and his words of background. But I wonder where his thoughts were. Because it wouldn't be hard to think that here is a man that on this, at this time, is actually feeling pretty, pretty despondent and, and quite lightly disappointed and possibly also somewhat preoccupied. He's a, he's a fisherman, and one thing that fishermen do is what? They catch fish. And this guy has been fishing all night and has caught nothing. He's caught nothing. He is, he's a failure. He's a fisherman with empty nets. He's, he's had a catchless night. And for all his effort and for all of his hard work and for all of his diligence and expertise, he has nothing to show for his efforts. Nothing but empty nets. And yet it's precisely at this point of emptiness and vulnerability that Jesus sees him and calls him to even greater things. Precisely at Simon Peter's point of apparent failure in the thing that he is trained for and the thing that he commits his life to and the thing that he pushes so hard to achieve and to provide and, and to support, it, it's precisely at this point that Jesus looks to him and he sees so much more. And he sees in him even greater things. And you know what? I think that is such good news. That is such good news for all of us. That in our most desperately disappointing days, when we look at the sum of our efforts and we look at the circumstances in which we live and maybe the dreams that have not been realized or the way in which life is going, we think, it's not how I wanted it, Lord. Jesus looks to us and he loves us and he sees us. And he sees so much more than the sum total of our uh, toil and our failures and, and, or even our achievements or our fears. So Jesus has this, has this work to do and he's taught the crowd and then having taught the crowd, he looks to Simon Peter and says, you know, are we taught, he's taught from the boat and then he says, push out. Push out again and lower your nets again. Because the Lord of the harvest knows that the harvest is plentiful and even beneath the sea it would sink. Jesus knows precisely where the fish are. And as they lower their nets, the catch is plentiful. And, and, and it's, an absurd, it's an absurd request from this landlubber carpenter. What does he know about fishing? And yet out of his obedience, from a place of obedience, comes the blessing of God. That in that place of unbelief and brokenness and vulnerability comes a willingness to trust again and lower his nets and pull in a catch of a lifetime. How easy it is that we can feel at times maybe forgotten or overlooked or that things are not working out in the way that we'd hoped and yet we realize precisely at that point that we are still, no matter what's going on, at the center of his attention and that there are even greater things that God is at work. And so it's an unusual response, isn't it, that we hear from Simon Peter having brought in this tremendous catch of fish, the catch of a lifetime that, that is putting the, the boats at risk. They have to call in the other boats to say, come and help us. It's overflowing. We, cannot, we can't pull this in on our own. And, and so they gather and they pull and there's more and the boats are, it says they're sinking. 
So what an unusual response then that Simon Peter said, say, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. We see Luke's point here is not, this is not a, this is not a miracle story. This is not a, a pronouncement story. This is a theophany. God revealing himself involving, involving a call to service. And, and, and so if we look at those times, those theophanies, and when, when it comes with this call to service, actually what Peter says is, is actually quite appropriate, isn't it? Think of in Isaiah, oh, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Moses' call, as, as the Lord spoke and revealed himself to Moses, his, his starting point was, who am I? What can I do? And so it is for each of us that when the Lord reveals himself to us, when he opens our eyes that we see him, the only appropriate response is one of confession and gratitude to be recipients of God's grace and mercy. Of a God who comes to us in our weakness and in our brokenness. This is the message of the cross. That we can never, we can never be ready by ourselves, by our own efforts, by our own endeavors, by our, our own great achievements. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men, you'll be a fisher for people. Look who God calls to fish for people. At the, point of, at the point at which the man has drawn in empty nets, on the day in which he'd come from, a, from the bottom of, his, of, a, of a catchless day to become a fisher for men. And again, we're reminded how much more it is about our availability to God than it is about our ability of what we bring. Actually, too often what we bring are our doubts, our insecurities, because they're based on our own abilities or our inabilities, rather than focusing on the one who calls and equips and enables us, the one whose spirit dwells within us. And when Jesus calls us, the response is one of surrender. And we see in verse 11, that they, they left it all behind. They left everything and followed him. The catch of a lifetime. And it just makes me think at, at times when we try and discern, is God asking me to do this? And so, well, no, actually, I think God is really blessing. God seems to be really blessing me over here right now. So I, I don't think it's to do. Well, we, we need to discern that carefully. Lord, what are you saying? Because Peter could have said, actually, no, I think the Lord's really in this fishing thing. And so I think this text comes to us and says and invites us to consider where the Lord is inviting us to follow him. I think it comes to us and it presents to us an opportunity to reflect and think, Lord, in all my disappointments of where life is or where it isn't, can I trust that you still see me and that you haven't forgotten me? Where is Jesus inviting you to follow him? Maybe some of us have lowered our nets and been burned and have faced disappointment and hurt. And the Lord is saying, would you do that again? Are you willing to let down your nets again? Will we risk failure? Will we risk disappointment again? And as the, Lord, as the Lord calls us, we, we then we wonder, well, then how, how can we go? And we go in humility and in vulnerability. And Jesus says to us, yeah, bring me, bring me your empty nets. Bring me, bring me your disappointment. Bring me your, bring me your lack and let me fill it. Let me fill it. So it is that Jesus calls and the call that Jesus makes is a call is a call for all to follow. Believer and not yet believer, it's the same call. Follow me. Follow me. Come and join with what God is doing. Come and be a part of 
to even greater things that I'm realizing about you. What does Jesus see when he looks at our lives? What does he see as he looks at the people to whom he sends us each day? I love that as Christina opened up, she said, oh, this was printed by my neighbor. You know, there's a point of need. There's a, there is an, a tremendous opportunity. Jesus, Jesus calls Simon Peter. He invites him to join with him in the ministry of the word. <laughs> Can I use your boat? And I think it has to make us question again, well, who is it that actually God is calling us to partner with? And who is, a, who is a possible partner in the ministry of the extension of God's kingdom? Have they yet confessed Jesus as Lord? Have they, are they, is that necessary to be able to join with? Or do, is this an opportunity where we call out and recognize that if somebody is made, if we believe that you are made in the image of God, then actually there is value in you. And so let me, let me speak of that value. Let's, let, let God draw that. Let, let me point that. I see this in you. As we invite people into the even greater things. Through Jesus' need. Peter is given value, he's given a place, and he's up close with the Lord. I pray that we would have the eyes to see that the harvest is plentiful, that we would also see those that the Lord is calling to himself. And that's why I love, um, I love the stories of people who are taking the risk and, and inviting, extending invitations. We mentioned earlier of the, the number of different Alpha initiatives. And I know for everybody that started one of those Alpha initiatives this week, there was a moment of, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to come. And there's a vulnerability and there's a, there's a, there's a kind of knotted stomach, right? But I got to tell you how much joy, and you know, there were calls coming in in the week or in the, over the weekend, like, I don't know if anyone's coming. Or, and uh, I said, well, you know what? We just let out the nets. And on each occasion, the Lord has filled the room. And so it's wonderful to see the photos coming in of this is our first gathering. And beyond what I see in the picture of the people gathering there, it's what I see in the people who are actually involved in trusting and growing and, and learning and praying and loving. Oh, that we would have eyes to see the harvest. And Jesus says again, would you let down your nets? Let down your nets. It's absurd. I've done this before. Tried. Asked. Invited. But the Lord of the harvest says that it's plentiful. And he asks us, will you let down your nets again? Or we don't believe in it. But the Lord of the harvest says the harvest is plentiful and he knows where the fish are. What he asks us to do is let down our nets. It's one of the, it was a sweet thing on um, Tuesday morning uh, at Crofton Manor. We had, uh, we ran Alpha in there and really had no idea who was going to come along um, to this morning. And, and, uh, and, and I see the lady who was running it had brought, she sort of came in. When she came into the room, uh, she had maybe ha half a dozen cups and saucers with cookies and coffee. And then she, as she walked in, she said, oh, I'll go and get some more. And the, and the sweetest thing was actually in the, the run-up before we actually started, there were, there were some gentlemen sitting in a lounge. Um, and so on our way into the room, we said, hey, do you want to come? And they said, okay. And up they did. And they came. The three of them came in. It's just letting down our nets and inviting and trusting the Lord to do what only he can do. There's a, there, was a, there was a time at which, you know, when we think about who it is that God can work through and how God works, even through people that don't yet know him. Um, when we were living in Brazil, um, I think I've shared some of this story before, but we, because it, it, it's impressed upon me, and, and it, but there was this, the father of a friend of my son's um, had been involved in a, a car accident and 
uh, we used to kind of help do the kind of ferry back and forth of the kids to school. And um, so I knew him in that way, but really kind of quite remotely. And, and anyway, he was laid up in bed because he'd had this really bad car accident and he was going to need some major surgery. And he shared with me what needed to be done. Or I, I went in to see him and said, hey, how's it going? He said, well, I've got an operation tomorrow. And it's complicated, and he went through and explained all the things and the complications and taking bones from here and sticking bits there, and, you know, I had to sit down at that point. And, and he, but it was awful, and I said, well, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, sure, thinking I was going to leave and pray, kind of privately. And so sitting beside him, I just prayed for him that the Lord would bless and go ahead and, and actually start to heal him, that when the doctors opened him up, they'd be amazed that it wasn't as bad as they thought because the Lord had already come, that Jesus would heal him. Well, I heard from him a few weeks later, and, and uh, well, actually, I heard from his wife, have you seen Sergio? He really wants to talk to you. And then I didn't get to see Sergio, but I saw lots of people that Sergio had spoken to. I said, are you the friend of, are you the dad of Sergio's son's friend who prayed and asked that Jesus would work and heal him? And, and I said, well, I prayed. I don't know what the story, I haven't heard the story yet. And they had, because Sergio was telling everybody that Jesus had healed him. Because when the doctors opened him up the following day for the surgery, they realized that they didn't have to do half of the things that they said they were going to have to do. Because Jesus had gone ahead and had healed him. I didn't know. I mean, I kind of hoped he would. I believe that he can. You know, the, the sweetest thing of this story is, is, for me, is not that. But as we left Brazil and we gave up our home, we needed somewhere to stay. He said, come and stay with us. You need somewhere to stay before you get on your plane and leave. And uh, so we did. And then on the last day before we left Brazil to move to Canada, he invited all of his friends and his family and said, I want you to come. And I want you to hear about Jesus, who healed me. And I want you to hear what this guy has to say. Because he healed me, and he can heal you too. Sergio became a fervent evangelist for the Lord, simply by inviting people into his home and saying, have you heard? Have you heard about this man, Jesus? Who in all of our disappointment, and all of our brokenness and all of our pain. And when we feel forgotten and left out and on the side and we wonder, Lord, do you see me? Do you hear me? It is fixed on us. And loving us. And even in that place of weakness, is calling us into even greater things. And that's a life in him. Not a simple life but a life in him that is sustained by his spirit that is so much more than anything else this life can offer. And Jesus is looking today. And if you're sitting here disappointed and if you're sitting here wondering and if you're sitting here feeling weak and if you're sitting here broken, he sees you. He sees you. And he calls you by name. And he says, I'm going to build my church through you. I'm going to do even greater things through you. Because you are so much more than you're the sum of your achievements. You are so much more than what you do. You are so much more than your job. You are so much more than your family. You are so much more. And this role that you perform, you are my child who I love. I have so much more. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you see us. Lord, I pray as we gather around this communion table, may we meet with you. And may we know that we are seen by you and held by you.
Granville, it's time to uh, celebrate the love of God and the communion that we have with him uh, at the Lord's table. And as we share in this together, we remember that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus rose from the dead, and that he offers forgiveness and new life for all who would turn to him. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All of us are invited to this table. And if you know your need, if you want to proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection over your life, then by all means, accept the invitation. And since this is a community meal, we serve each other. So as you pass the, uh, the bread, you can say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And as you pass on the tray of cups, you can say, this is the blood of Christ shed for your sins. Uh, if you need, need it, there is a gluten-free wafer available in the center of the plate of bread. Let's pray as the ushers come forward. Lord Jesus, we come together at your table with thanksgiving. Thank you for inviting us, for throwing open your doors and laying out the buffet and filling up the glasses. Thank you for catching us in your net, for holding us within yourself, for not standing far off, but being intimately close. When we draw back in shame and say, go away, I have sinned. Thank you for saying, do not be afraid. Thank you for planting your word in us. May you cultivate it and make it grow that it might show itself in our words and actions and spread beyond ourselves. Thank you for the communion with you and with each other that we enjoy at your table. And we thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
I'm going to invite you to stand with me now. I'm going to pray for us all. And we have an opportunity to respond um, to what the Lord has spoken to us uh, this morning. Not, not what you heard me say, but what you heard the Lord say to you through what's been spoken and what's been sung. Because uh, he is here and his spirit is with us and he is moving amongst us. So I'm going to encourage you to just open your hands as a posture and a posture of openness to receive the even more that God has for you and to know that he sees you uh, where you stand and maybe what you hold before you is an empty net that represents disappointment or unfulfilled hopes or, or maybe not but we all stand before him and he sees each one of us, and he sees our hearts, and he sees our need, and he sees our longing. And in our despair, he loves us. So we pray, come, Lord Jesus, by your spirit. Fall upon us now. 
more of you, Lord. We need more of you. your week has brought you and wherever this day finds you the Lord is with you and he sees you and in all of the muck and the mess still he loves you and receive his love today Receive from him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will refresh you, Jesus says. Come. Come to him and be filled again. As the band continue to lead us in this time of worship, I want you to remain in this posture of openness to the spirit of praying, of using the words of these songs to make them your own and make them your prayer. But I also want to give you an opportunity, if you'd like to receive from the Lord, we just come. So we'll have a few people here that can pray for you. But I, rather, than, rather than waiting to be seen by someone, know that the Lord sees you and come and kneel before him and receive all that he has. Just come. And just come before him and receive from him. And whatever that empty net is that you bring this morning, know that he longs to fill it for you. So come. Don't wait. Don't wait for somebody to see you. Because the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the lover of your soul sees you and he longs to fill you. So come. some people from the prayer ministry team and all we're going to do is we're just going to walk alongside and we're going to bless what God is doing okay so as you come and you stand uh, we just want to bless you so we're not going to pour in and speak lots of words we just say more of you Lord more of your spirit more of you so come lost but he brought me in oh his love for me oh his love for me who the sun sets free oh his free indeed I'm a child of God yes I am He has ransomed me, His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died.
to share a word as we're praying and as we as we continue in this posture of prayer and, and to receive a, from Isaiah 42 a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out in faithfulness he will bring forth justice and as we as we're praying and as we're worshiping as I, I have this sense that for some people you are we're in the middle of a storm right now and there is this fear that Lord are you going to blow out this this light, this candle that is here, and you know, am I going to be able to get through this? And, uh, and actually what I saw was that candle then in this hurricane lamp, you know those things, and it's, it's encased and it's secure, it doesn't matter what comes against it, but it will not be extinguished. It will not be extinguished. A smoldering, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In our frailty and in our fragile states, the Lord is our strength. And he is our hope. And he will bring forth justice. And maybe that's a word for somebody here this morning. But I would encourage you to bring it before the Lord. And receive the more that he has for you. No. 
sing Jesus let your kingdom come here let your will be done here in us let's 
through us.
You are strong to save in your mighty name, King of heaven, come. So let me pray for us as I do. I just want to remind you that after the service, we're going to have a chance to, to chat and uh, just encourage, take a moment to encourage one another and maybe to continue to pray for one another. One hand with coffee, one hand on somebody's shoulder. Uh, that God can, that the Lord can work through, can work through even our coffee. Um, but you know, I just wonder this week if we are to keep watch and wonder what the Lord is going to do and how he might transform what feels like our greatest weakness or our greatest failure into something even greater for him. Turning that, turning that for his glory. And what we need is the wind of his spirit to carry us from this place and to plant the good news of his gospel and to those that he sends us to each day, believing that in, in that seed there could be one plant or it could be a field, it could be an orchard, and not just one tree, because each of us carries in us the DNA of the gospel that has the potential to transform wherever he sends you in his power and in his name. So let me read this as I pray. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. So may we make him known. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Father God, Will you send us out from this place in the power of your spirit? Help us to keep watch and to see as you see us and as you see those to whom you send us. And may we go with a passion and a burden for those that you love and are calling to yourself. Lord, fill us and fill our empty nets. And Lord, would you receive all the honor and all the glory and all the praise that is due to your name through our broken lives that might in some way reveal more and more of your goodness and of your glory and of your grace and of your mercy. We ask these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A reminder about the um, hospitality team. If you want to help and serve in one way, uh, that's a good way to get connected. Go and see Daryl after the service.